Halloween is over, and sure, we can talk about Thanksgiving, but we're in the holiday spirit. Uh, so, my question for this week, if uh, It's a Wonderful Life has taught us anything, it's that every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. My question for you tonight, every time Tabitha rings the shame bell, what happens? Um, Matt's still thinking Tabitha is posting to our Instagram, so I will start. Um, I think that every time a shame bell rings, uh, a pun dies in a fiery plane crash. <clears throat> Tabitha. Well, if a good bell gives an angel its wings, then of course my bell gives a demon its horns. I like it. I like it. Matt? Um... So maybe I'll piggyback off of that and um, Krampus uh, <laughs> takes another victim. Population <laughs> control. Oh, wow. It's got real dark real quick. <laughs> and we gave Tabitha way too much power. <laughs> Usually. Yeah. You're listening to The Geek Awakens with Mitch, Matt, Tabitha, Lydia, and Ticket. So, a lot of stuff happened over this last week. Um, we're going to try to get to all of it. We'll see if that happens. Uh, the first thing we're going to talk about, we're actually going to start with the poll list tonight. And we've only got one book to talk about tonight. And I am going to apologize up front if I mispronounce this, but I believe it is Isunboshi. Don't ask me. Okay. <laughs> Where is Lydia when you need her? Right? Oh, I'm on my honeymoon. Who goes on a honeymoon for this long? Lydia. Yeah. <laughs> Which, um, Lydia, you did not put in the proper request off and you did not have the proper vacation time from the geek awakens so um we're gonna have to have a little chat with hr when you do come back we also are going to need an hr department before she comes back i feel like Lydia. i feel like Lydia would be Lydia. the hr department <laughs> like if right. we had an hr department it, it would, would be lydia yeah. so i don't think lydia is gonna tell lydia she's in trouble that feels like a lot of work fine <laughs> All right. So anyway, <laughs> back to Isunboshi. So it is out November 22nd from Oni Press, uh, written and drawn by Ryan Lang. This is a graphic novel retelling of a Japanese folktale about uh, Isunboshi, who is a one-inch samurai. Um, in this story, Isunboshi is a six-inch tall person uh, who must save Japan from an evil demon. Uh, it just so happens that he's also the missing piece to the weapon the demon needs to take over the world. So before I talk about my thoughts on this book, uh, Ryan Lang, he has contributed to animated movies like Moana, Wreck-It Ralph, and uh, The Mitchells vs. The Machines. He's also um, contributed to a couple of MCU movies, but I wanted to focus on animated, you know. Um, but yeah, I... 
adored this book. Uh, I was worried that I wouldn't finish it before we started because, hey, surprise, surprise, I was unprepared. <laughs> um, I was planning on doing some of like my uh, my Geek Awakens work during my real work, and then my real work was like, hey, I've got a lot of stuff for you to do today. So I was like, oh, dang it. <laughs> anyway. Um, but yeah, once I started this book, I barely took my eyes off the screen. I just, I flew through it. Um, the art looks like it's ready to be adapted into an animated movie. Uh, the story itself is exciting when it needs to be, uh, but it has a whole lot of heart throughout. Um, and really, it's it's a perfect story for anyone who thinks that they're not enough, whether that's tall enough or smart enough or whatever enough. You know, this book teaches you that like, hey, you are. So um, my only gripe about this book is that it's in black and white, which uh, I know that it's my go to complaint. Uh, but I feel like this art would have been like, I mean, this art was already fantastic, but it would have been like next level in color. Uh, but even with that gripe, uh, this still like if we actually did like rate or score, you know, our reviews, uh, it would be pretty damn near perfect for me. Uh, Tabitha, what'd you think? Yeah, I really liked this. And one of the things I liked most about it is the thing that you did not. I liked that it was in black and white because at the end it did show those colorized images of the story and I felt like it took something away from it. Like with it being in black and white and leaving the art so simple and so like almost old school, but also so crisp, it really you could pay more attention to the story and you were paying more attention to the dialogue and those little small details about people instead of being like, I'm bright red and I'm in your face. Like you were having to kind of imagine what that would look like. Um, I loved this. It was great. I got two pages into it and I was like, is this going to make me cry? Cause Matt had already finished it. And he was like, I don't know. And then he finished and he was like, maybe. And I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> Did not cry. Got a little misty eyed at least twice. Um, but I agree with you. I think this was probably one of my favorite things that we've gotten to read in a long time. Like it was really well done. The dialogue was fantastic. There were those moments of like levity to like break up your like, oh my God, what's going to happen? So that was really fun. And I agree with you. I think this would translate to film incredibly well. Matt, what did you think? Yeah, I feel like this is ready to be. And I, okay, I don't know whether it's good, bad, indifferent, otherwise. This felt to me like a classic Disney movie. You've got your underdog hero. You have this big world-breaking nemesis coming down and trying to take over the world. You've got the old man who's the teacher. You have the sidekicks, which are kind of chippy and funny. Um, like it, you, you got the bad guy has his henchmen. Um, it, it just it, it was so well done from beginning to end. Um, I also love the art because the characters were light enough to keep you like involved. And then you get to some of those backgrounds, which are almost three dimensional because of the shading. And it was just, just draw, drop, draw, job. 
Jaw dropping. Yes, thank you. That. You're um, like some of those pages of like the battles where you you there's no dialogue, but you're just flipping the pages. And I was like, it took me almost longer to read those pages because I was looking at the detail and everything that was happening in those in those pages and those panels. Um, I, I'm I'm gonna second what you guys have said that this may be one of the best things we have read in a very long time. Um, and I, Mitch, you said we don't rate these, but like, I know Tabitha and I, a lot of times we add these to our good reads for the year and this is going to be added and this is going to be a five star. This is, this is fantastic. And I would love to have a hard copy of this. All right, guys, let's get into trailer takedown. Uh, much like last week, we've got two, non-Christmassy films going up against two Christmassy films. Um, and can we break the world a second week in a row? Maybe. I don't know. Um, Matt, I'm real not happy with you because... I'm not happy with yeah. me either. I didn't even know that a new trailer for... Or I guess this is the first full trailer because the first one was a teaser. Um, I didn't know that we had a first full trailer for... Avatar, The Way of Water, which I, for the whole longest time, I thought it was The Way of the Water, but like I was reading something else because I too have an Avatar story tonight. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that article kept saying The Way of Water, and I was like, oh, I just have been inserting another the. the. Anyway, <laughs> so um, Avatar, The Way of Water is going up against another sequel, uh, Disenchanted. Um. <laughs> yes, Amy Adams. <laughs> Amy, Amy Adams, also starring in Avatar: The Way of Water. No, not really. But, um, Matt, since this is partially your fault, let's start with you. <laughs> this is a garbage matchup, just so you know. Um, oh, I know. I'm, I'm glad you're aware. Um, I didn't know that Disenchantment, Disenchanted. I don't know. It was a sequel. Never saw the first one. Um, it's it looks kind of light. It looks clever in some cases. Um, it also just looks downright hokey. Um, and I I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, because it just seems like it's going to end up being very cliche and very trope filled. Um. And then you have Avatar, which I hate myself for even bringing this up because I have never seen the first one. And I don't plan on seeing any of them um, unless we do that thing where we all just get drunk and watch it because then I yeah. will probably sit through it. Now, I, I'm sorry to interrupt. You've Did I know that you haven't seen the first Avatar? I'm pretty sure we've oh, talked about okay. it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's why we talked about doing the drinking game night where we record Matt's original reaction because he's never seen it, but he hates it with such a passion. Okay. For <laughs> right. yeah, never seeing it, I hate that movie. With the- so you're kind of like you're kind of like that kid who doesn't like Brussels sprouts because because I haven't tried them. Yeah. This is not the oh. same thing as Brussels sprouts. I promise. What if this? What if Avatar becomes your new favorite movie ever? I. He's gonna have to live with you again. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
you can have like a quarter of the podcast. Right? How about okay. that? All right. All right. It's cozy down here. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just sleep standing up and get a coffin or something and <laughs> vampire. Um, anyway, continue. <laughs> <laughs> that conversation's more exciting than this trailer. Um, I This trailer just... Okay, so the movie is going to be super long. This trailer just feels the exact same way. It just drags on and on. And you, you, you get some robot monsters. You get some conflict. But what's the conflict? Who? For what reason? Why? Like, I, I, there's nothing in this trailer that makes me understand anything about what's happening other than you come from the water and you die in the water. Like that's, that's all I got from this trailer. I didn't like either of these. So giving point, I really wanted to give avatar zero points, but you're going to make me give it some because I can't give all of them to disenchanted because I didn't like that one either. (laughs) So I guess I'm just going to go down the middle and go five and five and hope that avatars at least still loses. Maybe. Uh, yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of either of these trailers either. Uh, Disenchanted, I never saw the first one, uh, but it's just, it's clearly not for me, and while there's nothing wrong with that, um, I'm not going to pay, you know, 13 plus bucks for, (laughs) to see Leah Michelle when I can just watch reruns of Glee for, you know... (laughs) for free um that said my eyes did sparkle very slightly when i saw maya rudolph because maya rudolph can do no wrong um well i guess she can do one thing wrong and that's disenchanted but um in general maya rudolph does no wrong um so that made me happy also uh, i don't even know what character this was uh because maybe i was just halfway paying attention but like some character gets turned into a cat and they're like I don't want to be an evil cat. I don't want to be an evil cat. That was hilarious to me. (laughs) And then we have Avatar. And, like, y'all, we've been waiting, quote unquote, waiting for the second Avatar longer than we've been waiting for the Winds of Winter. Um, Believe it or not. What? It's been, like, 13 years. So James Cameron and George R.R. Martin are best buddies, and we didn't know it until now. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> um, so, like, and and I still, I will always say, you know, like, it's not even, I don't even know, it's, it's not even like a nostalgia ploy, I don't think. It's not like, you know, the Christmas Story Christmas, which we'll talk about in a second, which is clearly a nostalgia ploy. Um, with Avatar 2, James Cameron's like, hey guys, everybody still really loves Avatar, right? Uh, James Cameron's like the Internet Explorer of like <laughs> movie directors. Um, but like, <laughs> I have a vision for tonight's. <laughs> but like, I, I yes, I am sure that there are still a lot of Avatar fans, but I don't think like nearly as many people are clamoring for the sequel than he thinks. Like I've said before, like. In the years that we didn't have a new Star Wars anything, people were still obsessed with Star Wars. People still bought Star Wars toys, Star Wars t-shirts, whatever. You don't have that with Avatar. I wanted to go five and five, but um, Disenchanted, it got originally three extra points, two for Maya Rudolph, and one for the cat, but... (laughs) Leah Michelle took one of those points away. Is Leah Michelle in this movie? Yes. Where? She was like the the main 
Was Girl, that, that? that is not Leah Michelle. <laughs> that is Adele Dazeem or Idina Menzel. <laughs> and now I have to set you on fire. We will pause it, and come it, back after this brief break. Does, does it get another point now because of that? <laughs> For a second, I thought that that looked like... Adele Dazeem? Yeah. yeah. But then I was like, I was already committed to the fact that it was Leah Michelle. I was like, <laughs> whatever. Okay, this changes things. Um, You know what? It can have all three of those extra points now. So <laughs> Avatar now gets two points and Disenchanted gets eight. Yes. Ten. It's Adina Menzel. I know. <laughs> Thanks for fact-checking me. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, You said you weren't sure. You said it was somebody or somebody. So I No, would... Adele Dazeem oh. and Idina Menzel are the same person. Adele Dazeem is what John Travolta's dumbass called Idina Menzel that one time because he oh, didn't know how to say her name because he's right. stupid. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, Apparently, I'm on that same what? list. Adina Menzel, I, I know that you listen to this podcast um, religiously, and I'm very... Very sorry. He'll be dealt with accordingly. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, Tabitha. All right. So having to weigh two things that I d- dislike so greatly against each other is never my favorite thing. Um, however, I am going to say that the first Avatar movie had its problems and it has its plot holes and it is hokey. And I was eye rolling through the whole thing. But you know what it did not have? Amy Adams. <laughs> <laughs> so I have not seen Enchanted because Amy. I hate two things and they are Amy Adams and Patrick Dempsey. And if you don't like McDreamy? I do not like McDreamy or was he McDreamy or yeah, Mc- he was McDreamy. I don't remember. Um, and <laughs> if James Marsden cannot fix something for me, it's bad because James Marsden could fix most things for me, but not Amy Adams. <laughs> so I'm giving Avatar six points and I'm giving four points to Disenchanted. One for the cat, one for Idina Menzel, not Rachel Berry from Glee. <laughs> one for James Marsden and one for that cat because that cat was really relatable. <laughs> All right, well, with a score of 17 to 13, Disenchanted does move on. And it is going to face the winner of uh, Christmas Story Christmas versus Spirited. Um, Christmas Story is one of my favorite Christmas movies. Uh, It is something that I watch at least once every year, uh, thanks to, I can never remember if it's TBS or TNT. It's it's one of those two, yeah. Um, but the thing is, like, I never, like, watch it start to finish. Um, it's, yeah, we... Pick it up part of the way through. And then we continue until we get to that part, at least. Um, this trailer for A Christmas Story Christmas, um, it has a lot of callbacks. Um, the the dad has passed away, um, so they're kind of dealing with, with that. Uh, when does this take place? Do we have any idea? No. Yeah. Because, like, some of the people still looked, like, kind of older. Because, what, the first one took place in the... 80s. Did it take place? I think it was... I think it was the 70s. Oh. 60s? Yeah. 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 It came out in the 80s. It came out in the 80s, but yeah. It took place before then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, like, 
I don't know. I'm I'm guessing this next one takes place maybe in the 80s or 90s. Maybe I don't know. Um, but like some of the characters look like they were wearing like more contemporary clothes. So I was just I was very confused. Anyway, um, that said, this first trailer lacked like the heart and spirit of the first Christmas story. Um, I don't know if that's going to translate to the movie lacking that heart, uh, but I don't know. It was it was one of those things like I was excited to see it, but like the more I watched that trailer, I was like, okay, there. This is this is fan service, um, and I don't hate that idea. Uh, I will definitely watch it this year, but I don't know. It just it was missing something, and I don't know what it was. Uh, spirited. Um, Two things. One, Scrooge called, and they want their Christmas theme back. Um, also, Will, Will Ferrell, buddy, I know you're a big fan of this podcast, uh, but um, you struck gold with Elf. You didn't need to try to make another Christmas classic. And and this, I feel like, is not going to be a Christmas classic, um, even with Octavia Spencer in it, who, you know, yeah. Um, so even with A Christmas Story Christmas lacking the heart, I am giving it all of my points. Um, Tabitha. So I am not like one of those people that's like, oh my God, I have to watch A Christmas Story every year. Like I enjoy A Christmas Story. Um, but I also love a backstory. And you know what I love almost as much as a backstory? A flash forward story. Um, this tugged at my heartstrings a little bit and it looked super fun. Um, am I going to go out of my way to watch it? Probs not. But if it's on and I'm like, oh, okay, I might want to watch that. Or Matt decides he has to watch it. Like, I'm not going to complain. <laughs> um, however, I have watched one Will Ferrell movie in my entire life. It was not Elf. I have never seen Elf. Because if I hate anything more than I hate Amy Adams, it's Will Ferrell. And not even Ryan Reynolds and his beautiful face (laughs) could make me want to watch a movie where I also have to watch Will Ferrell exist. And I had a very dark thought while watching this because there's a scene where it kind of zooms in on his face. And I was like, thank God he's getting old. (laughs) I am so tired of Will Ferrell. Um, I'm giving two points to Spirited. Uh, one for Octavia Spencer and one for Ryan Reynolds. And I'm giving the rest of my points to A Christmas Story just so Will Ferrell doesn't get any more wins in his life. <laughs> and I know he's listening, Mitch, and I'm glad because now he knows my wrath. <laughs> All right, Matt, are you are you going to save Spirited? No. I don't think you can. But. No, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think I could even if I tried. Um, I'm I'm in Mitch's camp with A Christmas Story. It's one that I have to watch at least once every season. Um, I, I, don't, I don't really know what it is about it. The fact that I've always watched it or something about it makes me feel kind of like Ralphie. I, I don't know. Um, when they said that they were doing this second Christmas story movie, I was very upset. Because I feel like this is one of those things that the world does not need. Like, we don't need a backstory. We don't need a flash forward. We don't need more to know what happened to these characters. Like, it was just fine the way it was. That little microcosm that it is. 
That said, watching this trailer and seeing the callbacks and yes, the fan service, I love it. Um, I, I, I will say that, yes, I don't know that there was enough of the voiceover to give it the heart that the first one has, but we may get that as we get another trailer or as it's released. Um, I don't know the, the moment where they're standing in the, in the department store and he says, don't let him kick you in the face. I just about lost it. Cause that, I, I love that moment. Um, spirited. We do not need another rehashing of a Christmas Carol. We definitely don't need a rehashing of a Christmas Carol with Will Ferrell. Um, Ryan Reynolds agreed. Ryan Reynolds and, and Octavia Spencer cannot save this from the disaster that is Will Ferrell trying to be funnier than necessary. And also with Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell, who's to, who's supposed to be the straight man in that in that joke? Like I, I just Octavia Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer because like there's a couple of lines like one point where that guy falls out of the sky and Ryan Reynolds is like oh he's definitely dead and then the guy just gets up and runs off like that's classic Ryan Reynolds like just deadpan and Will Ferrell's doing the same thing throughout the trailer I'm like this they're not playing well off of each other because they're both playing the same I don't know wasn't here for it don't need more Christmas Carol. Especially with Will Ferrell. Um, I am going to go nine points to Christmas Story Christmas and one point for the combined weight of Ryan Reynolds and Octavia Spencer's amazingness that still can't save Spirited. So with a score of 27 to 3, Spirited moves on. I'm just kidding. A Christmas Story Christmas moves on. I was like, I'm going to check your math real quick. I have a feeling I know where this is going to go. So Christmas Story Christmas versus Disenchanted. Uh, I'm not even going to play any games. Christmas Story Christmas can have all my points again. Um, Tabitha, you're shaking your head. Yes, same. Please. Thank you. Matt. All the BBs are going in the Red Rider BB gun. Ten points. (laughs) Uh, So with a rare shutout, um, I don't know that we've had a shutout in the final round, though. Amy Adams deserves it. <laughs> if only this were the Oscars. <laughs> so, hmm. I'm trying to think. Well, be- before we get to that, obviously, Christmas Story Christmas shuts out Disenchanted 30 to 0. It wins trailer takedown. Good for you, Christmas Story Christmas. Back to what I was saying. So, Tabitha, what what would it take? Who else would have to star in this movie that has both Will Ferrell and Amy Adams in it? Not even they're not even necessarily the lead, but they are both prominent characters. What would it take? I don't know why you're asking this. You already know the answer. For prosperity. Lin-Manuel Miranda. (laughs) Like if tomorrow we got an announcement that Lin-Manuel Miranda had created a new musical and it was going straight to film and even if he was just going to be a character and Amy Adams and Will Ferrell were going to be the leads, I would still watch that. What if they did a... (laughs) 
<laughs> theatrical adaptation of Hamilton with Will Ferrell and Amy Adams as as the leads as as Alexander Hamilton and Eliza. Oh God. I mean, I would riot in the streets, but I would probably still watch it. <laughs> Will Ferrell plays Eliza. I would probably watch that more, honestly, if we're being <laughs> super real. <laughs> Lynn, I know you listen to this show. <laughs> You're a big fan. Let's make this happen. Call me. Actually, can you call me? <laughs> so let's get into some gut reaction. And we're starting tonight. Uh, we're going back to um, Avatar. What's what's the world in Avatar? Pandora. Pandora. Thank you. Mm-hmm. We're going back to Pandora. It's a box that shouldn't be open. <laughs> um, so sources have told the Hollywood Reporter that Avatar: The Way of Water is around three hours and ten minutes. That's it. It's that's three, the story. It's three hours and nine minutes too long. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm giving this a thumbs down. Um, yeah, just there's no, no, no. Tabitha. So when I watch movies in the theater, uh, I require a slushy. Um, water sounds make me have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> they expect me to sit still with my slushy and the water sounds and watch a three hour and 10 minute movie without getting up to go pee. That's an unrealistic expectation, James Cameron. <laughs> Thumbs down. Matt. I, I don't know what else I have to say about this. This doesn't need to be. This doesn't need to exist at all. It definitely doesn't need to be three plus hours. Thumbs down. Uh, Tabitha, you have some news on probably our next favorite Christmas book. Yes. Uh, Matt's girlfriend, Mariah Carey, has written a book. Um, it is called The Christmas Princess, and it's out now. In the book, a 12-year-old Mariah, but don't worry, it's not autobiographical. It's a fairy tale, lives in a shack, and her mom's name is Ladiva. <laughs> the real Mariah's mom was an opera singer, by the way. Um, I'm going to read you the little blurb. Feeling outcast and alone, little Mariah sets off on a wintry, wondrous journey, ultimately discovering the healing power of her voice to spread the spirit of Christmas at home and all around the world with one song. Um, I'm giving the audacity of this a solid thumbs up because every time anybody talks to her, she's like, it's not autobiographical. It's a fairy tale. Girl, just say you wrote yourself into a Christmas story and let's move on. (laughs) Like, this is not hard. Um, I'm going to give this a thumb sideways. I don't care one way or another. I'm all for books being out into the universe, but, uh, kind of wondering how Matt's going to feel since Mariah is published before he is. Oh, that's not true. Just a full book. Mariah has a full published book before you do. Are you guys going to have a lover's quarrel? No. A dream lover's quarrel? (laughs) Gave that one to myself. (laughs) Matt. (laughs) The only way this can be saved, because I don't think the world needs this, is if that grunge album she made is the soundtrack. (laughs) So I'm going to go... Thumbs down. Um, I still want that grunge album. Thanks for reminding me. Uh, but I am giving this a thumbs up. Um, this is it. 
it's my favorite Christmas song. <laughs> like, well, it's 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 top two. But anyway, <laughs> tied it, with what? Out of curiosity for the holiday spirit. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Because it's like it's like super sad, yeah. and I'm like I'm here for it. You know. Yeah. Emo um, boy at heart. Exactly. <laughs> Um, but yes, uh, I am here for this. Um, I'm probably going to get it. Not even going to lie. So don't even bother like trying to get it for me for Christmas. Cause you'll already have it. I'll already have it. <laughs> um, Matt, we talked last week about, uh, Dr. Who coming to Disney plus, but we maybe have some more information on what Disney has planned for this. Um, so we do, <clears throat> and um, a report from Telegraph um, is basically suggesting that this is not just a distribution deal for Disney, um, that Disney is going to help finance Doctor Who's budget along with Bad Wolf production um, and BBC. Um, Disney has gotten license to make some creative decisions about the franchise, um, but basically according to this report that uh, the BBC still has like final say and overruling powers. Um, basically at this point, it looks like uh, they're trying to turn Dr. Who into an American style Hollywood franchise. And as much as I would love more shows in the Dr. Who universe, um, like, I mean, we had Torchwood, we had the, um, the Sarah Jane Chronicles as much as I, as much as I would love more of that. I don't know that I want Disney muddying the waters of Dr. Who and trying to turn it into another MCU. Um, I, I'm all about the distribution. I am going to give a thumbs down to the idea that Disney is going to try and revamp and expand and do great amazing things with the doctor who franchise so i'm going thumb sideways on this um this is definitely like a monkey's paw situation um where disney's like hey i'm gonna give you a bunch of money but mm-hmm. you know um who knows um we were all worried when Disney bought marvel and but then that brought us the mcu which was fantastic um Star Wars, kind of a mixed bag. Now, I, I say bought. Obviously, Disney isn't buying Doctor Who just yet. Um, but I am worried. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like they're going to be taking away part of what makes Doctor Who Doctor Who. Yep. Um, but they might not. I. It's definitely one of those. I'm going to have to wait to see, but. By the time we see, it's going to be too late to do anything about it. Like, we could do anything about it anyway. Uh, Tabitha. I mean, I don't really have a horse in this race to begin with. Um, I am bothered by the Doctor Who universe for some reason. Um, (laughs) But uh, as we've seen, when Disney does get involved in things, I wish I could be mad at the conglomerate, but I can't because they do have that financial backing to make things cool and make things great. And not that the BBC and Bad Wolf don't have that production status, but they straight up don't have the money that Disney has. Like no one has the money that Disney has except Walmart and Walmart's not making movies. So yet. Um, (laughs) Don't give them any ideas. Right. So I'm going to give 
in a thumb sideways because like I said, I don't really have any thing in the in the race. But at the same time, like Disney has not done wrong yet as far as giving backing and providing funding and <clears throat> I mean look what they did to the MCU. Look what we have now. I mean, granted some of those Disney Marvel TV shows have not been my favorite, but they've been well produced, they've been well done. So So Elon Musk has barely taken over Twitter. Uh, but he's already announced well, he's announced a bunch of changes, but one in particular that he's planning on. If you want to keep your verified account status, aka that little blue check mark, uh, you gotta pay eight dollars a month. Um in a tweet he said queet queet. Did he? Is that what he said? In a tweet, he said, quote. <laughs> he, did not, he did not say queen. <laughs> Go fefe. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, he says, quote, uh, Twitter's current lords and peasants system for who has and doesn't have a blue checkmark is bullshit. Power to the people. Blue for $8 a month. Um... <laughs> I'm not going to say what I want to say because um, I'm lazy when it comes to editing and I don't want to accidentally um, leave this in. But F off, Elon Musk. Uh, thumbs down, clearly. Uh, those verified accounts, while, you know, it is what it is. But, like, if I see 50 Joe Biden Twitterers, you know, but one has the blue check mark. I know that that is the actual one and not somebody pretending to be him. Um, I know if I were famous enough, well, I'd like to say that if I were famous enough, I wouldn't be paying $8 a month. But, you know, I probably would because, you know. Um, but, like, I don't like this. I don't like it at all. I barely tweet anyway. Um, but it just, this whole thing is just leaving a very bad and musk eat taste in my mouth <laughs> tabitha um i've never been so glad i don't have twitter um i have twitter i just don't know how it works and it confuses me because i'm old um so i don't like it um i feel like this is going to be not the downfall of twitter i mean it should be the downfall of twitter i think it will be I mean, not I'm, necessarily this, but like Elon. Elon is, will yeah. be the downfall of Twitter. I have no doubt in my mind. And at this point, like, it's one of those things where like, if you're a celebrity and you are, oh God, I hate that I'm going to use this word, but I can't think of another way to say it. But like, you're a woke celebrity and you're liberal and you have an open mind about things. Those celebrities are going to start abandoning Twitter because do you really want to be in <clears throat> associated with that? Because, I mean, we saw what the day of looked like. It was just a bunch of like foul language and racism and anti-Semitism. And Elon's like, whatever, I don't care. But you know what you could do? You can be $8 for a blue check mark. What? I don't care. I can put a freaking emoji next to my name for free. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Who cares? I don't understand. Um, so I'm going thumbs down to just twitter in general and i i do feel like this is going to be the end of that social media platform and you're going to end up in a situation where you're like questioning the people that are still still left yeah. on twitter matt yeah it's uh, there's there's so much to this because like mitch said when you see that blue check mark it tells you that that particular person 
is the actual account you want to follow and not some schmuck who just decided to pay $8 to get a blue damn check mark next to their name. Now you don't really know who is who apart from who decided to fork over $8 a month and put it in Elon's pocket for, for this check mark. Um, I will openly admit that I do. I use Twitter, not a lot, but I use it a fair amount, especially in connecting with other writers. Um, I have had some really good conversations on Twitter, um, with other writers just via tweets. Um, I've had some fun interactions like you tweet two people and you get, you know, people that you would never actually be able to meet or liking your tweet or like that interaction. And this is, as we've already seen, is going to, uh, I have to agree, it's probably going to be the downfall of the platform, um, which just because of the interactivity and the ease of being able to interact with people um makes me a little upset um this this whole thing with elon musk buying it is just a disaster so thumbs down for his eight dollar blue check mark tabitha let's have a brady bunch christmas i don't know how i found this if i'm being super real with you um (laughs) Sometimes I, when I'm struggling to find stories for the week, I will literally go to Google and I will type in weird news and then I'll go to the news tab and I'll just see what sparks joy. And um, this week, one of the things that sparked joy for me was the Christmas bunch. Um, the Decorative Arts Center of Ohio, which is in Lancaster, Ohio, is hosting a storybook Christmas featuring a very Brady holiday. Um, there will be things on display there from the Brady Bunch, including a two-piece pantsuit worn by Florence Henderson, <laughs> as well as the horse sculpture straight from the Brady home. Oh, my God. Um, they're also going to have a display of historic storybooks and vintage toys, replicating kind of what Christmas morning might have looked like for the Bradys and other families in the 1960s and 70s. Um, there's going to be children's pop-up books. <clears throat> Some pages are open for visitors to read. Others are going to be just positioned along with the toys and things like that. Um, there's going to be five rooms trimmed for the holidays. Uh, you're going to be able to go into um, certain classics, um, storybook-wise, uh, The Night Before Christmas, Polar Express, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And it's going to run through the end of the year, December 31st. And admission to- is actually free. Um, if I lived a little closer to Lancaster, Ohio, this would be something that I think was really cool. Um, not that I have like an, a, like an epiphany like for the Brady Bunch. Like I don't really, I mean, I like the Brady Bunch. I don't really care, but... I like the idea of the historic tele- or children's books and the vintage toys and like the the kitsch of it all. Like I said, sparks joy. So I'm giving this a thumbs up. Matt. Yeah, this is when, okay, so when it comes to holiday season and everybody is doing Christmas store or holiday stores and, um, you know, lights at the zoo or, you know, around your park, like this is a fun new different idea and i appreciate the thought that went into this so thumbs up yeah i'm giving this a thumbs up um i made a weird face and then tabitha made a weird face back at me lancaster ohio is six and a half hours away i've Um, driven further for dumber stuff okay fair we had plans for next summer to do dumber stuff and longer trips that's true would you like to share 
we we us are going to the birthplaces of oh. these wait are we really doing that why not what else are we doing know. with our lives i don't know cool i thought we were just gonna <laughs> talk about it i mean i'm doing it you can come okay. if you want you don't have to okay, you can so stay home I'm in. I'm in. Cool. <laughs> um, geek awakens road trip yeah um but yeah like six and a half hours away yeah if it was closer i would be all in for it um if it was closer, or if I was a bigger Brady Bunch fan, um, Brady Bunch is fine. I like it. Do I go and watch reruns when I'm sad? No, I don't. Um, <laughs> that was very specific, and it almost makes me feel like maybe you do do that. <laughs> Weird flex, but okay. <laughs> but anyway, um, thumbs up. This this sounds really fun, and especially if it's free, that's fantastic. Um, we have a couple of uh, Disney Plus stories. Matt, we're going to start with you. Um, you have some information on a Vision series? I do. Um, I- I'll keep this short because there really isn't a whole lot yet. But Deadline is confirming that there is a spinoff in the works. Um, and they are going to be opening a writer's room uh, for Vision Quest which they're saying is going to be the Vision, Paul Bettany, uh, returning to the role, trying to regain his memory and humanity. So spoilers if you haven't seen WandaVision. um, You know, basically have the um, albino version of of Vision. White Vision. White Vision. Which sounds bad. (laughs) That's why I said albino. That's that's what he's called, but still, that sounds bad. There's a possibility that Elizabeth Olsen um, may be making an appearance in the series. Um, that's about all we've got. There is a comic book um, storyline, um, 1989 West Coast Avengers story arc called Vision Quest, where essentially Vision is dismantled. Um, his artificial skin is turned white and he lost the ability to feel emotions. So... Is that going to pull into this series? Probably because of the way Marvel and the MCU work. Um, As much as I'm kind of not over the MCU and all of the constant barrage of shows, um, Paul Bettany as Vision is one of the hallmarks of their casting and to see him come back to this role, I would be here for this. So I'm going to go thumbs up. I want to give this a thumbs up. Um, WandaVision, probably my second favorite MCU show, um, aside from Hawkeye. Um, I, in fact, I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe those two are the only two that I've seen. All of them. Yeah. All of them. (laughs) Oops. Um, but, I really enjoyed WandaVision. Paul Bettany does a fantastic job as Vision. My only concern is his supporting cast. And I'm not saying anything against Paul Bettany as Vision, but as Vision himself, can is Vision big enough or can Disney Plus pull off a series focused on Vision? without a good supporting cast so that's why i'm giving it a thumb sideways i'm not gonna essentially argue i'm just gonna say that i think based on paul bettany's 
acting ability, yes, I think the supporting cast would be beneficial, but I think putting it in his hands is capable. Yeah. Tabitha. Um, Vision was the only part of WandaVision that I liked. (laughs) I had more issues with that television show than I have had with any film or TV show in the last 20 years. Apart from Doctor Strange 2. But also Wanda issues. I have Wanda problems. I have mega Wanda problems. I have problems with the way she's portrayed in both both situations. Anyway, um, any world where we're getting more Paul Bettany, Ass Vision is a good world for me, so I'm giving it a thumbs up. Moving on to another WandaVision uh, spinoff. They've made a couple of casting announcements for... Um, Agatha Coven of Chaos, um, which like, give it to me. (laughs) Before we even talk about the casting, like, I just, I want this series in my hands right now and go ahead, Disney, make Agatha all along the theme song for this series. You know, you want to, (laughs) you know, all your fans want you to do it (laughs) anyway onto the casting. So, um, Joe Locke, who has most recently been in Heartstopper, and Aubrey Plaza, who has been in a bunch of stuff, probably still most recognizable for Parks and Rec, uh, but they have been cast in Coven of Chaos. Uh, casting details have been kept other under wraps. Uh, some fans speculate that Locke is going to play uh, Wiccan, a.k.a. Billy Kaplan. Um, if that is the case... Um, that casting, in my opinion, is Chef's Kiss. Uh, he looks the part. Um, I think his acting in Heartstopper kind of shows that, like, he could do this part. Like, his acting is very well, uh, well done. Um, and yeah, like, I just, I really hope that that's the case. I have no idea who Aubrey Plaza is going to be playing, but don't care. She is magic in everything that she does. I'm here for it. I'm giving this a thumbs up. Tabitha. So I am excited for this, for the simple fact that it can't be worse than WandaVision. Um, (laughs) No, the Agatha plotline was one of my favorite things. And Aubrey Plaza is one of my favorite humans. So I'm, I'm on board. I've been on board for this the whole time. That just kind of like cinched the deal for me. So thumbs up. Matt. Agatha in, in WandaVision, Agatha became one of those characters Maybe you want to shoot me for this comparison, but essentially she was the Boba Fett of that series. Like you didn't get a lot. You got tidbits. You got bits and pieces. You knew she was kind of a villain. You knew that there was more to what was going on. And all of a sudden you didn't even know this character existed and you wanted more. Essentially same thing as Boba Fett. Um, Obviously, Book of Boba Fett didn't work out quite the way that Disney had hoped. So my hope is that they don't go the way, no Mandalorian pun there, um, that Boba Fett went with um, Coven of Chaos. But I think the casting news is strong enough to help build that series around. So I am going to go tentatively thumbs up. Tabitha, let's visit the Baby Yoda news desk. Oh my gosh, I'm really sad that I missed this before Halloween. But StarWars.com is something that I check not 
fairly frequent basis. Sometimes they just have random news. Um, sometimes they have like cute little arts and crafts. Uh, sometimes they just have like a fun game you can play real quick. Um, and then it's kind of like Google. You know how you pull up Google and like the Google logo changes. Sometimes just like there's something fun on the Star Wars home Star Wars.com homepage. So I pulled it up the other day. Grogu ghost cookies. <gasps> <laughs> That's basically the noise that I made at my desk. People in my office building probably thought I was dying. Um, the tagline was, this is the way, dot, 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 to make cute Halloween treats. Uh, Star Wars, uh, they shared it on their Instagram. The, their matcha cookies draped in fondant. And we see little Grogu headed out for a spirited night of Halloween fun. Um, they're, they're so cute, guys. And if I was a patient lady and, like, could work with fondant without wanting to burn my house down i would make these because it's a it's like a sheet like a white sheet his eyes his big ears it's a matcha cookie so it's green and then he's holding the freaking candy pumpkin and it is the <laughs> cutest we can we can do like a special episode and like team up to make these cookies so that i'm okay with that as long as i don't have to touch the fondant okay. <laughs> we'll talk after okay I want them. They're so cute. <laughs> He's got little freaking walnuts for his hands, and it's just, it's it's so cute. So cute. There was Wookiee brownies, but I can't have those because they had coconut on them, so I, I went with these. They're so cute. Thumbs up. Giant thumbs up. <laughs> thumbs up to all the things that are Baby Yoda, and especially Baby Yoda cookies. We can we can make Wookiee brownies without coconut. But how are you going to make his little, little like his fur? Chocolate shavings. Or that's a lot of work, dude. What? <laughs> or I'm just trying to come up with an idea that doesn't kill you. Or you can just <laughs> sorry. <laughs> or you can just use like white icing. Okay, maybe. Yeah, I'll work on it. Yeah. I'll figure it out. Anyway, Matt, I don't really have anything to add, but thumbs up. They're yeah, so cute. Um, <clears throat> you lost me slightly at walnuts, but there is hands you can pluck them off. Yeah, and you don't have to eat the walnut chunks. Yeah, I I can remove Baby Yoda's nuts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I'm not still... sure if that was more uncomfortable because he's a child. <laughs> <laughs> he's like fifty. He's a baby. <laughs> he's older than I am. But it he's doesn't make still it any better baby. when he's fifty. <laughs> Can't remove anybody's nuts, Midge. Not even a child or an old man. <laughs> <sighs> Fine, <laughs> but still, um, yeah, no nuts about it. Uh, thumbs up. God, I hate you. <laughs> and yet you come back every week. <laughs> Me and my bell. Yeah. <laughs> we got to do something with our Thursday nights. <laughs> well, maybe you can um, go to a cornfield and find a clown in a cornfield. That was a good segue. It, Not the best segue I've ever done, but that was a good one. <laughs> eh, three out of ten. <laughs> three out of ten. ten. <laughs> wow. Um. So the producers of the movie Smile, which is fantastic, by the way, um, are going to be adapting the YA slasher thriller clown in a cornfield the first book is absolutely genius the second book is so good not quite up to par with the first one but that's okay um 
And the fact that the smile producers are the ones that are going to be doing this. Park me in a cornfield and I will watch this movie all day long. Um, This is... I'm so ready for this. Um, I I, I don't know what else to say besides the fact that, uh, like I said, I love the first book with the producers for this one for Smile. I'm going to say this is in good hands. Um, I am a little concerned because I do follow Adam Cesare on social medias and he did Twitter. Hmm? Twitter. Yes. And Instagram, I think. Um, and Facebook. I don't know all of them. I don't know. Whatever. Um, whatever. I knew I smelled a conservative. (laughs) (laughs) And what's that smell like? (laughs) Mega failure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, he did admit that the script, and apparently he's already seen the script, does um, diverge from the book some. So I'm not sure how I feel about that, but he seems to think that it's we're, it's in good hands, so I'm going to go thumbs up. Um, not often do I love a book so much that I actually want to see a film adaptation, but I think this would translate real well to film, so thumbs up. Yeah, y'all, um, I live too close to a cornfield to be comfortable to see this movie. Um, I'm, I was, I was going to go complete thumbs down, but I'll, I'll move it up to thumbs sideways for you, Matt. But um, ain't no way I'm watching this movie. I don't care how good it is, Tabitha. Um, I hate clowns. I'm not a clown fan. Um, spooky clowns are actually better for me than scary clowns. Like, happy clowns. Like, I would rather have a scary clown than a happy clown. Happy clowns make me uncomfortable. However, <laughs> I have not read this book um, much to Matt's chagrin, because he's real mad about it. Um, I'm not mad, but you're missing out. <laughs> he's not mad. He's just disappointed. Yeah, right. Pretty much. And now there's a second one, so it's just a lot of pressure. I got a lot to catch up with. But um, yeah, He's writing a third one. <sighs> Now I'm going to have to wait till the third one comes out. Hopefully it doesn't take 11 years. No, this one won't. No way. Not for him. <laughs> I can't handle it. Um, <laughs> so I just... I love a thriller and like a slasher movie, but sometimes when they are written in book form, I kind of lose it. So I'm probably more likely to enjoy the film than I am the book. I have a hard time getting that suspense built in those situations in books. Because most of the time, I'm just like, you're stupid. You're so stupid. However, I will say that Smile was a fantastic film. And I would watch pretty much anything that director did. So, thumb sideways. So, earlier this week, um, Kit Connor, who who is actually uh, <laughs> Joe Locke's uh, co-star in Heartstopper, uh, took to Twitter to come out as bi. Um, that's all well and good. However, the tweet itself, uh, he says, uh, quote, didn't say queef this time. That's not what he said. <laughs> quote, didn't say queef this time. End quote. What a tweet. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Y'all, why, why do you let me have a microphone in front of my face like every week? Why do you do that? We like secondhand embarrassment. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> so Kit said, quote, uh, back for a minute. I'm by. Uh, congrats on forcing an 18 year old to out himself. I think some of you missed the point of the show. Bye. Uh, 
basically for months um fans of the show have been accusing him of queer baiting or you know just not um not disclosing his sexuality you know whatever so thumbs up to to kit do you i mean i'm you know that that that's it's a shitty way that you feel you have to do that um, especially in this day and age where like everything has to be public 24 7 uh but still thumbs up to you thumbs down to all the fans who made him think that he had to do that uh because that's not your story um and it's frankly none of your business tabitha yeah i don't know that i can say anything other than what you just said um we live in a crappy world where people can't just let people be themselves um and i hate the light we put celebrities in for playing roles and like how dare you and how uncomfortable that must be to feel like you have to divulge a personal piece of your heart and your soul to the masses because you're being screamed at in so many directions i hate it thumbs down matt yeah i, I don't know what to add other than in those situations it should be a matter of you feeling comfortable with not just yourself, but with the people around you and the perception of everybody that they have of you and able to, to be able to make that affirmation and to be forced into it is just, it's just awful and people are shitty. So thumbs down for everybody that basically made him feel like he had to do this. Um, we're just going to do a couple more stories. Uh, the first one I want to make sure we talk about, um, it's again, an, another follow up to a story we talked about last week, Matt. Um, last week we talked about Henry Cobble coming back as Superman, but what did we have to get in exchange for that? So it's a give and take and nobody's actually talked about this part, but Henry Cavill has stepped down or away from being Geralt of Rivia in the Witcher season four. Um, he has said that it's due in part to the production schedule. Other people have said that is creative differences between himself and the producers. You know, that paired with the reveal of him actually coming back as Superman, I think we can all see the writing on the wall. He played the part for a while, give somebody else a chance. It's as much as he does personify Geralt, um, he is passing the sword boots, whatever, um, to Liam Hemsworth, who will take over for season four. I think he's probably going to do a fairly, fairly solid job. I don't know that he has the acting chops that Henry Cavill has, especially in this role. Haven't watched season two, but season one basically is one of those series where you watch Henry Cavill and you're like, damn. Like, not only is he, like, athletic and be able to, like, stunt-oriented, like, he's just a damn good actor. Um, so that may be interesting to see, but regardless, he's stepping away. Liam Hemsworth is stepping in. Um, I think until we get more information and we get some like 
screenshots or some footage, I'm going to go thumb sideways because, like I said, Henry Cavill really did embody Geralt. Yeah. Uh, when you were talking about not being sure if Liam Hemsworth has the acting chops, I really thought you were about to say that you weren't sure if Liam Hemsworth had the abs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, that's fair. <laughs> um, but no. Um, He's got a w- good workout partner in his brother, though. So Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm giving this a thumbs up. I know that everybody has loved Henry Cavill in The Witcher. Um, I have still not even started that show. Um, I want to, but if, and I know that like, yeah, it's not, you know, completely 100% confirmed that the reason why he is stepping away is to come back to Superman. But if that is the case, um, I'm okay with that because I do want to see more of him as Superman. So I am willing to make that sacrifice. Tabitha. Um, so part of what made Henry Cavill so good as Geralt of Rivia is his knowledge of that character. Because he is obsessed with those books and the video game and everything. And like he would like there's footage of him being on set. And being like, well, actually, on page 65 of book seven, he thought this or he did this. And like, he's got that character down to such a science that I think it's going to be hard for anybody to fill those shoes. I don't like Liam Hemsworth. Um, <laughs> um, I don't think he does have the acting chops to pull this off, especially following. What about the abs? I, I could care less about the abs. <laughs> they don't belong to Jared Leto. They're not on. <laughs> They're not on my radar, man. Like, I don't know how to tell you this. There are very few abs that matter, and they're all eight of Jared Leto's. Um, <laughs> I don't even know if anybody else has abs. Um, I just don't think he has the personality to pull this off, because Liam Hemsworth is one of those people that, like, I forever see him in the first thing I saw him in, which is... Uh, Hunger Games? Yep. Being a whiny piss baby. And so now... Every time he opens his mouth, I'm like, oh, look, a whiny piss baby. So thumbs down. Um, Tabitha, you've got our last story of the night. Um, Earlier, we talked about a Brady Bunch house. Now you're trying to get us to move to a Stranger Things house. Uh, Yeah, if we had uh, $1.5 million, we should And we don't. Okay, well, never mind then. Um, (laughs) The house that they used to film uh, Vecna's house in season four of Stranger Things is up for sale. It was built in 1882, and it's located in Rome, Georgia, not Hawkins, Indiana. It is a seven-bed, seven-bedroom, or seven-bed, seven-bath house. Um, It's in a beautiful part of town. It has a very rich history in the community. And the listing says, time is of the essence. So if you're thinking about running up that hill to make the deal to become one of the next owners of this magnificent dwelling, don't let the grandfather clock chime, not even once. Which if you watch season four, that's like a real good pun. And like the whole the whole listing is full of like <laughs> Stranger Things puns, which would be annoying, but it wasn't so damn clever. And also <laughs> this house is beautiful. Thumbs up. Pat. I mean, even in the upside down, that house was amazing. Um so we just need to find one point five million dollars and a move reason to move to Georgia. Oh, can we pick up the house and move the house out of Georgia? I mean, I guess we're going to pay a million and a half. We might as well just pay an extra half a mil and move it somewhere. Fair. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, 
I don't know. I always think it's fun when these TV show houses end up on the market. Um, I've got a friend that lives in California and he comes back to Chicago every year for the holidays. And every year he posts a picture as he drives past the McAllister's house. And it's just, it's just fun. Like other people live there. It's not for sale, but it's one of those fun things. Like it would be really cool to live in that house. So even with the price tag and where it is, I'm going to say thumbs up. Y'all, I can barely, I can barely clean one bathroom. (laughs) Seven bathrooms. If you got $1.5 million, you ain't cleaning your own bathroom. I mean, I just spent $1.5 million plus another $0.5 million to move the house. I ain't got made money anymore. Well, if we're all living in it together, I wouldn't let you clean the bathroom anyway, because it would never be up to my standards. No. That's Matt the last time we cleaned the bathroom. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> never, because I she just have to come clean it a second time, so. Okay. Yes. So you wouldn't have to clean the bathroom anyway. That's what I would be there for. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Oh, God. <laughs> what? Seven bathrooms, though? Seven bathrooms. I would need a day, but yeah, I would have to have bathroom day. <laughs> you would. <laughs> you would. <laughs> Because it takes me like an hour just to clean our bathrooms. Yep. And we've got two, so. <laughs> or maybe like cut off like, okay, this week we're not using these three bathrooms. <laughs> That's an idea. Nah. Yeah. Don't use the West Wing. Yeah. I would get confused though and I'd be like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be in here. Well, put like <laughs> caution tape. <laughs> like it's movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Crime scene. Do not enter. <laughs> 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 Especially if you spent seven hours in there. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody died in there. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm still going to go thumb sideways. That's still, regardless of who's cleaning, that's a lot of bathrooms. Yeah, that's fair. But I also haven't seen the inside of the house because I still haven't seen Stranger Things season four. <sighs> We haven't finished it. We have that last two and a half hour episode mm. to go, and we just can't make ourselves do it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a challenge. Mm-hmm. You're you're really running uphill. Oh Jesus! <clears throat> I love Kate Bush, but I'm so tired of that song, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that is going to do it for this episode of Geek Awakens. Uh, we'll be back next week, but in the meantime, check us out on social media. Uh, tell us what cool stuff we're missing out on. Any questions, comments, or concerns, then shoot us an email at thegeekawakenspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, from all of us at The Geek Awakens, thanks for listening, and we hope to catch you next time. Everybody say bye. Bye. bye.